Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joel What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Man, man, man. Oh. <laughs> so y'all know why we're here. Y'all know why we're recording this. Um, the Heat lost. Um, the series is... Well, not the series, but the season is over. Um, but like always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob. And I got with me my guy, George, and my guy, Kay. And yeah, so... Man, it's crazy because the last part we did was after that game too, and here we are. It's crazy what life will do to you. Um, so first off, hats off to Denver. They played a great series. Um, you know, Jokic he went through a lot of slander this season. You know, he was screwed out of a third MVP in my season, but he ended up taking the championship and the Finals MVP. So there's that. Um, but, you know, Denver aside, uh, it is what it is for the Heat. I mean, Jimmy didn't really have the best game yesterday. I know a lot of people are mad about the ending where they feel like he sold the game, you know, with that turnover and everything. It's obviously disappointing to see. But, yeah, so it ended in five games. Here we are. And, yeah, so, I, I, I mean, I don't got really much to say, you know. I don't. So my apologies to anyone that's listening to this and thinking that we I was going to do a breakdown, but that's why I usually prefer to have other people on this pod so that they can do that type of stuff for me, especially after a loss like this. So with that being said, I'm going to pass the mic to you, George. Say what you got to say about what we witnessed last night. I think as a whole, it's a real testament to it, like what we've seen throughout the season. 
it's been a roller coaster of emotion. Um, I don't know. This season's been, in, in my opinion, probably the weirdest season to be a Heat fan. You had, um, you know, it was so, so much turbulence throughout the season, reg- the entire regular season, throughout the, you know, even the 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 what's it called trade deadline halfway through, with so many questions to be answered, so many injury concerns. You had the you know, hero was popping off as, as his you know first year as a as a real starter. Um, you know, if could he bring that into the into the postseason? You had Bam Adebayo making himself an All Star this season. Um, could Kyle Lowry return to form? And he had such a up and down year, more down than up, especially in the regular season. Same with Max Strus. Went on a 27 game, one of the worst shooting streaks I'd ever seen from a Heat player, to then absolutely turning it on in in the off season, not the off season, in the postseason, which is such an incredible thing. We we beat Milwaukee, we beat the Knicks, we beat the Celtics, we came up short against the Nuggets, but I don't feel upset about it, if that makes sense. I, I I'm filled with uh, the special and especially like large amount of pride in this team. And even what I saw yesterday, um, you know, there's questions I, I say as well that it looks like the Heat kind of gave up near the end of it. But I feel like they gave all that they could, especially with what they had. Um, it's it's one of the hardest things to do to be that sort of player, like what Jimmy Butler was doing earlier on in the postseason and maintain that through four rounds. It's got to be draining mentally, physically, and everything. Bam Adebayo really showed up. I was really proud of him, especially yesterday. He looked like he was actually taking advantage of the mismatches. And that's what you want to see from a player like that. Realize that, you know what, he he can't be guarded by these these smaller guys, these Jamal Murrays and these players like that, who looked like they were giving him problems earlier on in the series as well. But Bam was consistent throughout mostly. Um, but it came down to the role players really not picking up their slack and Jimmy not being the Jimmy that we remember. Uh, I feel like Gabe Vincent had a, a kind of fell off near the end of the, the series. Max Struess had massive issues throughout the series. Um, and especially in that last game as well, he kind of came back to form a little bit, but it just wasn't enough, which it comes down to like, that. that's like the general consensus and the theme, not enough, but hopefully we can rectify that in the off season. But um, no, very proud of the team, very proud of what they achieved, what they accomplished. And, um, it's going to be really exciting to see what what they're going to do moving forward. Right. And to add on, you know, like to go further into it, you had a guy like Caleb Martin who also didn't have that good of a series too. And it's unfortunate because one thing, you know, I said in the last pod was that, you know, it seemed like he was battling a cold or whatever, I guess. Um, you know, they were talking about it at the end of game two, but he never really turned into you know, Boston Celtics killer, Caleb Martin. You know, he didn't turn into that guy that was so good that he was literally just one vote away from being the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, which was also unfortunate to see. Um, But also, since we're looking at it as a whole, you know, what this squad has been through, I mean, I also got to give my flowers to Duncan because – Man, 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 like everything he went through throughout this season specifically, and not even this season, but really when he signed that contract, like the man was going through it. You know, all this slander and stuff went from barely getting any minutes in the playoff run last year to coming in this season because Tyler got injured. 
um, playing big minutes in the playoffs. I really just wish Spo gave him a bigger leash to work with because it's just crazy how we see a guy like Struz shoot like shoot all of these shots and then miss so many but you still got a guy like Duncan playing lesser minutes but it is what it is like I just I'm just happy for him and that he was able to go out there and do his thing because people was trying to call him the worst contract in the NBA but yet he still had a better shooting postseason compared to some of the other players that are getting paid big money just to do the thing that he does like look at Joe Harris from Brooklyn that man got paid a bag, and literally there were multiple games this year where Duncan was able to score more points than, what's his name, Joe Harris was able to score in all, in the whole postseason because they got swept in four games, and he only finished it with, like, I think eight or seven points. So for Duncan to go out there and show that, you know, he, he it's not a beautiful contract, but still, it's still probably better than, someone like a Joe Harris and some of the other players in the league who get paid that same money to be a sharpshooter like Duncan. It's just nice to see him to go out there and do his thing. And regarding the rest of the squad, man, like the whole squad was filled with surprises, like you said, George. So unfortunately, we just ran out of gas and we saw that last night and it is what it is. And I now want to pass the mic to you, Kay. You know, you've been one of the big optimists for this podcast this season like if there was anyone that could have seen his team going to the finals in the first place it was you so unfortunately the run came to an end but I know you must be feeling really proud of this team so the mic is yours man yeah bro I wouldn't say that I could have uh saw you know exactly what happened how it happened and the man I, I won't say that I knew they had potential to be a lot better than they were um, and I constantly mentioned it as George referenced the below the floor shooting, um, historically bad and just the nature of sports and the magic that goes into, you know, why we all love sports in the first place is the fact that oftentimes when something is going that bad and the particular subject has a track record, so to speak, or a proven ability so to speak to not only not be that bad but actually pretty darn good um that typically you know leads to a situation where it's bound to break and when it break it breaks big and especially when you're talking about a team um a coach or organization um like the Miami Heat that features the players they feature with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo leading it all from the perspective of will and overcoming and where they were and were supposed to be and currently are, you knew that things had a good chance. And that's kind of the optimism that I would say that I was leaning on is the fact that it's just anatomically, um, physically from a physics, not from a literal body movement, just from a physics probability perspective, like impossible that they will continue to shoot this bad. Um, and they didn't. Now, of course, it took into the second play-in game against the Chicago Bulls for them to realize um, that they were back-back because we saw the improvements near the end of the regular season, which I highlighted in the last 10 to 12 games or so. Um, but for them to become a team that was capable of not only shooting themselves into games to give themselves a chance, but 
simultaneously shooting the op- opposite team out of the building. Um, that didn't happen until that point, and you're just glad that it did. Um, you salute Jimmy Butler for everything that he did in those first couple of rounds up until, you know, Josh Hart, you know, did his thing. Hitman Josh Hart. I'll give him the ones right now if you want it. Like, we can square up in the parking lot somewhere. No cap. Um, anyway, like, basically, Jimmy Butler fought through everything after that, and he still performed. And it's just in his Denver series, and I mentioned it, I've never seen the man as consistently bad on offense as he was. And there was something, something wrong. Like, I mean, like the ankle. Okay. It's, it's, it's something is wrong. Um, And of course he didn't cop to that. Um, But, you know, just to know something's wrong and to see the man trying, that's why, even though there were a lot of, you know, criticisms and everything, I kind of was like, I can't drag him right now, even though he's struggling. I admitted that he's struggling in this terrible timing, but I couldn't drag him because, like, I know what he's done to get them there. But at the same time, knowing something's wrong, and again, back to knowing his character, knowing he wouldn't cop to that and make that excuse, which he didn't, um, just wouldn't let me do it. So it hurts. You you happy as hell to see Bam step up and do what I've always asked him to do, be aggressive, take advantage of his mismatches, use his skills to be a beast, um, which he did. And you're very proud of him for that. Took a step. Um, you're proud to see. Um, I mean, Gabe, like you guys said, cooled down towards the end of the series. Um, Duncan, really proud of the steps. You know, he took. Um, I mean, guys just played ball, man, but they didn't have enough, especially with Jimmy not – being able to get his stuff to go. And like I said, one of the worst stretches of play. Um, I've watched every dribble of his entire Miami Heat tenure. Every dribble. Um, and I've never seen him play this consistently bad. Like throughout a stretch of games, throughout singular games. Like there's always a point in a game where it's like, okay, he get a midi to go. He get a floater to go. He get a tough lay to go. He draw a foul and then it come on. And he just couldn't find it from game to game from stretch to stretch, but it hurts. Um, you're proud of what they did. And, you know, as we continue this pod, I'm going to elaborate more, but I, I I expect to see changes geared towards something that, you know, makes something happen really good because I don't think it's over by long shot. But, again, we'll get into that. Right. And um, I just want to ask, uh, George, is there anything that you'd like to add before we move on? Um, not really. Add. I'll, I'll. I'll just. I'm not even gonna add anything new to what Kate was saying. I agree with most of what he was saying. Um, in general, which is actually surprising, since Kate and I have um, a history of not being able to get along or agree with each other. But um, no, I, I respect him and I respect what he's been saying as well. The whole, like, going into the, you know into the off season and into the postseason and being so pessimistic about the team, it, it's not something that you could have predicted they would have pushed out of, you know what I mean? Like, it's impossible to predict that, you know, someone having that bad of a season where we were almost kicked out of the play-in, being down to the Chicago Bulls in the, in the dying minutes of that game. It's, it, I feel like this team really dialed into what they are, and that's that whole underdog um, mentality. I feel like that's what Duncan was missing. As soon as he got paid, he that that tag was, was removed, and he was paid as a premier shooter in the entire league, and really 
couldn't couldn't mentally what's it called deal with the with that sort of pressure. But when you're down and out, you know what I mean. Like he had nothing to lose in the end of the day and played so well. You've got to look to capitalize on that, and that, that's that's going for a lot of those players as well. I'm not saying that they're not purely talented. Gabe Vincent, in my opinion, is an extremely talented talented player and could nearly start on some uh, on most teams of you know in the NBA. I really do think so. Um, Max Strus, different story. I'm not going to get into that right now, but it's um it's about capitalizing on what you have, and that's what they should be looking to do in this um in this offseason is really tailor this team to a different sort of expectation. You've made the finals two times in, in four years. You've lost both of them. Time to look in a new direction and really tailor, tailor this team for the future. Right. And is there anything that you want to throw in, Kay? Um, Look, man, I didn't want to do this right now. Dang it. Uh, look, I'm going <laughs> to say it, though. I... No, you couldn't have predicted the outburst of shooting. Was I don't know if I was here at this point. Um, I, I might have been, you know, more focused on all you can heat, for which I'm not anymore. Um, and you can bleep them out once we, you know, do the editing process if you want. I'm just joking. But I made it a big deal that Tyler Hero should come off the bench. Um, was I was I well. Did I ever try to make that point here as well? Do you? Do either of you yes. remember me saying that? Okay. I remember. It was like very in the beginning of the season. I think it was back when we were um, doing some of those pregame streams. I remember you mentioned it. Okay. I okay. I didn't know if I was. I didn't know if I had been here. Wow. I've been. I've been here that long, with you guys. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so, go ahead. So, so there was a big narrative at the start of the season that where people were saying that Max Struess played so well. In the postseason last year, does he deserve to lose that spot? I and mean, that's where that 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 sort of Tyler Hero off the bench argument, because he had played so well off the bench, one six man of the year, should have just stayed on the bench. But like, no, I feel like that was a a pretty common thing. But it was near like as soon as the season started, that sort of died off. Right, but that wasn't my reasoning at all. Like my reasoning was always something else, and it was pretty common sense basketball. And I'm not you know, criticizing anybody who don't see it my way. But for me, it's common sense basketball. Tyler Hero needs the ball in his hands to be his best self. If he has the ball in his hand, getting to his spots, being tricky-dicky, um, doing what he does, scoring 20 points a game, just free-flowing and operating, that's going to work best with guys who can just play off of that. He did it. We saw it. Um, what the spacing and the shooting – and that whole thing and ball and man movement, that works really well with two guys who play from the middle end, you know, like Bam and Jimmy, which it had been working previously and has shown to work immediately um, as, you know, Tyler went down. And it's not a knock on him. It's just I've always said he's a starter in this league for hell, 25 other teams minimally, if not more. But for this Miami Heat team, he's best as the sixth starter simply because he can get his touches and be himself in 25 to 28 minutes mixed in with the regular starting guys, but starting off the bench as they establish their rhythm with the rest of the offense and for themselves in their own sequence because what they do is symbiotic, but not necessarily with him just sitting in a corner or when he isn't sitting in a corner and getting to his stuff them sitting somewhere stagnant or waiting to be involved. 
They just don't work well together as a trio. And the thing about it is he's too good for you to be able to sell that. He's better than any of the guys that you would start over him on this particular roster. However, he's not better for what the Miami Heat want to do when they're at their best, unless he's playing off the pine. And you would absolutely love that. But of course, the notion is he won't accept that. And you can't be mad at him because, as I said, he's better than anybody you would start over. It's, it's just a basketball fit and work and where we can maximize your punch and the rest of the guys is punched the best at. That's what it was always about for me. Right. And, like, that's what I thought, too, because for the Heat, like, I just simply, for me personally, the way how I looked at it is that I just simply wanted to try to reciprocate somewhat of the success we had last year being the one seed. And one of the key factors for us was the fact that we had a guy like Tyler coming off the bench and giving us, like, 20-something points per night. And, you know, all I'll say is this, like, what really hurt the Heat in the regular season, and I say specifically that because obviously um, this wasn't a problem come the playoff run, but, you know, our bench was a lot weaker because not only was Tyler our lead bench scorer going into the starting lineup, meaning that we no longer have him to rely on whenever we have to count on our second unit, but you also have the fact that because PJ left, we were in a situation where now another great guy that was coming off of the bench for us in Caleb was now also getting inserted into the starting lineup as our power forward. So that's already two players from our bench that's no longer going to be there. Like they're going to be in the starting lineup, meaning that, you know, our bench is going to be a lot weaker just to fill in those holes in our um, starting lineup. So with that being said, like, that was the main reason why I wanted Struce in that starting lineup. Because even though it sucks that we lost PJ, at least let us, you know, deal with that blow by just having Caleb in the lineup and having him off no longer on the bench compared to now not only losing Caleb, but also having to lose Tyler because of the fact that he got the contract and whatever type of other stuff that came into you know, giving him that role as a starter. So overall, I looked at it from that standpoint because one of the main reasons why we were the number one seed last year was because, as I mentioned, you had a great bench and it was because you had guys like Tyler Hero giving you that consistent 20 points per game off of the bench. So to lose not one but two key bench players, albeit, I'll, how, how did they say it? Albeit they were still on the team, but, you know, they were in the starting lineup now. That was something that really hurt because that made our bench no longer as strong as it was last year. So that's just the way how I personally looked at it myself. Um, George, is there anything that you want to throw in? Yeah, I just want to say that this postseason, it kind of it, it works to serve and hinder those arguments as well. I'm not saying that there's no credit to them. You're both 100% right. I, I agree with both your reasonings. Um, to get Tyler Hero to come off the bench. You looked at the start of the postseason um, when Tyler Hero, unfortunately, hurt his hand, and you saw what that sort of manifested. And I'm not saying it's 100% the reason why we ended up winning against the Bucks. I still think that with Tyler Hero there, would have, it, it could have been the same result, but giving the ball to Jimmy and letting him do Jimmy things and having forcing Jimmy to play like that 
really opened up a, a new layer for the Heat and, and be able to shoot the way that they did, like they weren't doing in the regular season, gave it massive ups as well. Um, so Tyler Hero coming off the bench would have been, you know, it would have it would have helped that argument sort of thing. Uh, but closer to the end, in especially against the the series that we've just unfortunately lost, Tyler Hero where could have become a much more important player. And especially in that starting lineup, because Jimmy Butler had looked a step step down from what he was about halfway through that that Boston series, and didn't look like he was able to perform at that high level that you saw against the start of the Knicks series or even against the Bucks. Tyler Hero, like you saw Jimmy passing the ball purposely out of shots that he usually would take, um, you know, out of dribble like dribble drives he was. He was passing out a lot. He, he created turnovers. It made problems for us because, you know, it forced us into bad shots and the bad possessions um, where usually it'd be turnover, you know, and then we give a bucket on the easy bucket on the other end. Tyler Hero were there. It, it serves as sort of like Jimmy's, I'm not saying Jimmy's sidekick as in uh, talent wise, just more of that, you know, Jimmy draws the defender, drives in. If you get, have a player like Tyler there who's more confident in those shots, like it's like Struess, but with a higher, um, sort of higher usage rate. That's that's what what I put it down to as well. Tyler could have really helped that team take a new step because it would have given another offensive uh, weapon to to Jimmy. But I still say if he is on the roster, come the start of next year, uh, for whatever reason, then I, I seriously think that they will look to put him off the bench again. They should. They, they they saw what that would have happened when they had lost him and look how well they played. And I still think that they'll take that lesson and really run with it moving forward. Right. And so like, mm-hmm. Oh no, my bad, Joel. Sorry. But like, yeah, three quick points. Cause I know we want to move on really quickly, but yeah, three quick counterpoints to that. And not really nothing to debate you. Um, Joel, just kind of add brevity to what you were saying on the first thing. I mean, what if it was the inverse? Because I believe it was the inverse. I see your point about Jimmy going off and that creating room for the shooters. But my thing would be that having shooters out there and guys that don't create wonky spacing because they need to be able to navigate all over the court or do their own thing in any given spot, bounce from here to there once they do get the rock. It created optimal spacing for Jimmy to be able to get to his areas where he's just more efficient and effective in those areas. So I just believe it was the inverse there. Secondly, when you think about the way that they beat the Knicks and the Boston Celtics and the Bucks um, and something that, you know, haunted them in this series, it's like it was shooting. Now, the shooting wasn't as great against the Knicks, but it still offered them a threat because you just had a guy in Spo who just out schemed, you know what I mean, Tibbs or whatever, whatever, and then we could outwork them. But the shooting is what helped them get here because they were the best shooting team in the postseason. Again, taking it back to just having those shooters on the floor, creating that space and allowing Jimmy to drive and kick or Bam to help create, drive and kick out and take advantage of an empty middle because you got those shooters being effective. But lastly, I totally agree that Tyler would have been effective in this situation, but that's considering that if everything had went exactly like it went, you know what I mean, with Jimmy getting injured and everything like that. But again, who's to say they're here back to that entire point because the shooting was such a big part, which we don't know if it would have worked the same way if Tyler was in the lineup because of the whole space and situation. Um, <clears throat> again, just he would have been great off the bench, though, back to that point. 
Um, and again, I don't want to get into a back and forth debate about that because that's what that wasn't what that was. I just wanted to kind of add brevity to the fact that I do see what you're saying or add light to the fact that I do see what you're saying. I just probably kind of believe the exact opposite on the other end, um, just to kind of give the perspective. Right. Is there anything that you want to for the add sake on, of on the, George before we head on to his final topic? For the sake of the uh, for the sake of the podcast, I'll I'll we'll move forward. We'll move forward from this. I do have a lot more to say, but you know we're gonna move. Oh, I'm sure we'll have time in the offseason. <laughs> well, I mean, plenty, plenty of time. We're, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're gonna we'll, do biscuit we'll, we'll breakdown, argue. and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll have you on. We'll, we'll, bro, you know I'd love to be there. Um, but look, we'll, we'll move on for this time being. What's that? What's the next? What are we doing next, Joe? All right. So now let's look into the offseason, y'all, because man, and there's gonna be a lot of stars out there for the Heat to get, and it's gonna be crazy and. For me, I'll just say it like this. I just personally believe that this team just needs, you know, a three-level score. Because I personally believe, you know, screw all the agendas that are out there right now. I do believe Jimmy Butler can be a number one on a championship team. This is the thing, though. I believe that for Jimmy, he can be the number one on a championship team. He just can't be the number one scorer, if that makes sense. You know, it was one of my friends, um, Quake, who's been on this pod before. Um, he went out and said this once. And I looked at it, and it made a lot of sense to me because a huge example of this was in the finals back in the bubble where, you know, Jimmy was out there being crazy for us. And he was obviously the best player for us, best player on that Heat team. But you had a guy like Goran who was doing his thing, and, Obviously, he wasn't the best player, but he was by far the best scorer for us. He was averaging, yeah, his average was like above all the other players that was on our team for that run. And, you know, him doing his thing while Jimmy was doing his thing, it really helped this team go far along with other guys stepping up too. So for me personally, I just think we just need that guy to step in and be that three-level scorer for us so that Jimmy can be Jimmy while he can count on whoever else to do their thing too. Whether if it is a guy like a Damian Lillard, whether if it is a guy like a Kyrie Irving. And you know what? I'm going to say this name as like a last resort, but maybe a Bradley Beal too. You know, if if Washington is serious about rebuilding, like I don't know if they'll actually mean it or if Beal actually wants to leave, but shoot, that could be a last resort too if they're actually thinking about trading him. So that's just something for me to personally look at because I think there's a possibility for the Heat to make a splash. Like, I don't know about Kyrie because there's been all these rumblings about him um, and LeBron. You know, could he go to the Lakers, you know, or maybe he stays in Dallas. So I don't know exactly where he is on his list of teams to go to. Um, but the two guys that I'm intrigued with is Dame and then maybe Bill. I'm not really too... Um, please with Beal. I'm because personally, I just prefer Dame or Kyrie over Bradley Beal for obvious reasons. I just simply feel that maybe Beal is gonna be a lot easier to get because he's not that guy, unlike those other two players. And we know how he feels about Miami too, so there's that. But when it comes to Dame, and I mean, we were talking about this before the pod on me and George, but like I'll say this: I personally believe that. Portland will work by Dame, you know, like we know his preferred destinations. 
We know it's Miami or Brooklyn, and that man is trying to compete for a chip. He literally said on that pod how Jimmy's a dog and how he's great friends with Bam and how if one rule could be put into the NBA, it's that every team has, and I quote, a veteran like Udonis Haslam or something like that. He mentioned that too. The man loves the heat from the way how it sounds. And honestly, I think it would be great for Jimmy, you know, every, instead of having to rely on him to be one of those guys to step up, you can have a guy like Damian Lillard to take that pressure off of him. And that's going to be something huge for the Heat. It's June 13th as we're recording this pod. So we have until June 22nd to see what Portland does. Portland, if for some reason y'all choosing to listen to this pod, just let it go. All right, y'all wasn't going to do nothing anyways. All right, y'all are not going to get a superstar that's going to help Dame win a championship. Just trade that man. Listen to whatever team he says. It's obviously going to be the Heat. And let him come here, all right? You saw what Jimmy been doing. That man out here dying like a dog, trying to help this team win a championship. He needs help, and a three-level score like Dame will do just that. So do right by your guy, and do right by Jimmy Butler, and bring Dame to Miami. And that's all I got to say. Kay, how about you? What's some off-season um, ideas that you have in mind? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So listen, first of all, I got to address the first things first, which is I don't agree with you and your man's take on Jimmy being the number one scorer. I think he's capable. Um, I think you have to fully give everything. Um, you have to fully give everything credit and credence in the situations. Yeah, you look at the bubble where he drugged them there, but then Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo go out in the midst of that series and he still goes down 4-2. You have to look at this series where he clearly, you know, had something going on with that ankle, tweaked it again in the Boston series after having Josh Hart go straight up hockey on it in the New York series. So you can't really say he can't be the number one after he's drugged them to the finals, two teams that you're like, yo, did he do what I think he did and perform the way he performed along the way? I don't agree with that. Now, because of that, because you see he's capable and because snafus happen and because things happen, it will behoove you in this next two or three years, which I've been on record saying I think he still has that in him at minimum because his game is low impact if you really think about it. And the way they manage him, he plays below the rim for the most part. He decides to show off the bunnies every now and again, but that's just because he want to show off, which is great. And he's leaned out, which is going to allow him to continue to be as durable as he, you know, is over the long haul because he's still strong, nimble while being leaner, which allow him to stay healthier because he's toting less of a load. He can do that for the next two or three years at least. You go get him a guy capable, as you guys mentioned, a three-level score or being that extra offensive punch in any type of situation, especially a playoff situation, a big-time playoff situation, especially – and a final situation, which you hope to be in because you've gotten there twice with the guy without whoever you hope to bring in. 
Um, that's the guy you need. Now, of course, Damian Lillard's on the radar. Um, I'm going to tell you what. If there's somehow, some way that Pat got some information on somebody up there in Portland and can swing Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant, you can just burn it all down. It's a wrap. Now, let's get off Fantasy Island for a minute, um, even with Dame Lillard. I mean, because we all talking about things that we have to see things go a long way to see happen. But if we're just talking about some names because we assume that – and this is another point I want to make real quick after I say this. We assume that Pat's going to swing for the fences here. Um, and I say that this is the point I'm talking about. I assume that Pat looks at this – Pat Riley looks at this perhaps – um, Mr. Pat Riley, I don't mean to sound disrespectful calling him Pat. It just comes off like that because I'm in real conversation with you guys when I, you know, especially when I'm emotional like this. Um, Mr. Riley, um, is probably saying to himself or asking himself, and he didn't, I'm just, you know, theorizing, thinking out loud. Is he asking himself, could he have done more or why didn't he see this type of run coming? Could he have added something else? Um, and for that, um, and just looking at what the guys sacrificed, especially Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, um, Coach Spo, even though Coach Spo made a few mistakes, but who doesn't? He's still Spo and got him here. Um, I'm sure he's going to do everything in his power to see that this bill has several more chances in this exact opportunity or this exact situation with better tools around him. Now, back to the point, getting that guy capable of helping you actually conquer the beast once you get there. Dame, as I mentioned, Lord Jesus, if they could get Jeremy Grant. Again, I'm going to put that out in the ethos just for the second and final time. But I'm about to change my display name, as you guys will see, and I waited for this timing. Um, Look, I'm okay on Bradley Bill. Uh-uh. I'm okay on Kyrie Irving. Uh-uh. They got a lot of shit with them. If you can't get Damian Lillard, you find a way to pry Zach Levine away from the Chicago Bulls because, hear me out, he's still young enough to be able to pull way more defensive potential out of him in the Miami Heat system. And when you're talking about the type of score he can be as a two or three on any given night, depending on what Bam comes back as, especially after seeing this playoff run, you're talking about something lethal. Now, that's not the only things that I'm thinking about. With Zach Levine, you can't be out-athleted. Because if we look at Denver, let's be honest, Spo had an answer for Maury and or the Joker, even if it meant the Joker scoring 40 because they lost in that game. They could maintain him and Murray. It's just when they did that, the other guys killed them, mainly with athleticism. You had that one game where Aaron Gordon decided to turn into T-Mac, but that was based off his ability to manhandle you in the paint, so you had to play him hard there, allowing him to get in rhythm from outside, so he made a couple of big ones. But that was all based on his athleticism. Same thing with Michael Porter Jr. Same thing with Bruce Brown. Same thing with Jeff Green to a certain point when he got his minutes. I mean, same thing with the rest of those guys outside of Murray and the Joker. They were able to out-athlete you. So with a guy like Levine, just his presence alone, and of course, you know, whatever minor tweaks they decide to make along the way, maybe it's bringing the rookie up because um, I expect him to play at least 15 minutes per next season. I expect that. Too talented um, not to. Um, too unique of a guy not to. Um, maybe if Kane can consistently hit the three-pointer, if O'Rob can consistently make it, because I think you're going to have to say bye-bye Yurt because right now he's filling up a space. If they can, you know, continue to add the athleticism 
but also bringing a guy like Levine who could supremely offset, you know, that lack of athleticism at times that you were contending with, or just the disparity in applicable athleticism in the situation. Because as I always said, Max Struess is more athletic than he puts on or plays with at times. So, you know, that hurts you in that situation. Um, but a guy like Levine could offset that as well as be that score um, with the fact there's still so much potential there in the right system. So I'm Dame Lillard or Levine if I had to have my two picks of guys. Because like I said, Bill and Kyrie just have too much stuff for them. Go off, George, because I expect you to burn it all down. We're getting Dame. All right, I've just got off the phone with um, one of my friends down at the pub. And he says it's happening. So I believe him. Um, I I sit here and I look at Dame Lillard. He's been an amazing servant of the Portland Trailblazers for the last 10 years. He's 32, about to be 33 soon, coming off a career year. Um, look, if if there's any hope in the world that we get a player like that, then, then you know, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer the other day. Whatever they want, they get. Unless the name is Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Butler. There is nobody else on this team that is safe if Dame is on the table. Now, like like Kay said, let's get off Fantasy Island for a second and we look at what this team still needs as it stands. I look at what happened in the finals as more of an indicator of what we need. Now, let's not kid ourselves. The Zeller minutes were some of the worst minutes we've ever seen in basketball since Dwayne Denman left his team after he threw a massage gun on the on the floor. It's um it's no lie that this team lacks that sort of competent backup center. Um I mean yet seven, while has potential, is not in the same mold as, as the players and does not fill the same need that um you know that this team has. Now I look at this sort of I look at this year's upcoming free agents. I, look, I see guys like Brook Lopez who are going to get paid around that $20 million mark no matter what. He's a, he was an all-star this year. Really good player. Um, wait, was he an all-star? I believe he, yeah, he was an all-star. Um, he was a defensive player of the year candidate and will get paid. So I don't think that's going to be possible to pry him on a deal that's that's going to work under Miami salary, especially in the new rules. I look more towards guys like Yucca Pirtle, um, who's coming up. You know, they, they've, he's an unrestricted free agent. So is Nas Reed. So is a player like Thomas Bryant, who's uh, showing you know really good flashes every now and again. Kevin Love's coming off his deal. Do we bring him back? I, th- I still feel like if we can get him back on you know a, a veteran minimum sort of contract, or even like around that four to five million dollar mark, that's a really good deal. Uh, but these players are something we need. I feel like that that backup center is something that this team could really utilize, and not compromise because we look at what happened to Aiden and he was available and he was sort of cheap, relatively cheap for what, you know, you, you got with him before then turned out to be one of the worst players I've seen in a heat Jersey in a long time. Um, same with Zeller. Now he's a free agency, a free agent. He'll go no matter what. Uh, but you got to look towards some of the, one of these guys and go, you know what? We can give a chance to, you know, to him and say, this is your job. You know, even a play like Dwight Powell is coming off. And I don't like that contract at all. That is going to probably want to demand. But, you know, plays like Thomas Bryan around that $2.1 million mark. You got Dwight, um, you got Nas Reed, who's going to definitely get paid. But if he's still around that $7, $8 million mark, do you take a, you know, do you take a flyer on him? You probably do. Even a player like Mason Plumley. These players are something that 
you know, that, that role is something that I, I feel is incredibly necessary when you're going up against these top-tier big men. Because while Bam Adebayo is, in my opinion, still the NBA's best defender, he can't do it all 24-7 all the time. It, it, it's impossible for him to, to guard the perimeter, get back and guard the, the, the you know, Nikola Jokic. And it's it's tough. It's got to be tough. Really, it has to be. So I look at one of those, you know, positions as as a necessity. I look more towards the wing. There's, you know, obviously big players coming in the player options. Bruce Brown is going to get paid. He's going to decline that and get get the bag. But you look at what Denver did. They, they, they isolated the problems they were having, and that was defensively on the wing, and they needed players like that. And they went out and they got KCP and Bruce Brown. And it won them a championship at the end. Both of them played unbelievably well. So it's about identifying the needs of the team and actually instead of you know compromising and trying to go for one of those undrafted players who could fill that role get someone who's going to guarantee you or close close enough guarantee you that sort of production um jordan class coming off he's got a player option i feel like he might decline that try and get out of utah uh, i don't know what he's going to be demanding but he's currently i think it's a 19 million dollar deal or a 12 million dollar deal something around there um a player like Dante DiVincenzo coming off a player deal. If he doesn't accept you, look to go after someone like that. These are, like I said, these are needs of the team right now. But if I'm looking towards one of the big fish, Bill comes with a lot of baggage. It really does because he's such a, a, a weird, a weird applicant to this team. Like, does he provide something that we need? Absolutely. He's coming off another career year. He's shooting 50% from the field. It's, it seems all too good to be true, but that contract is insane. It is yeah. an insane contract. Really, it is. It's just an insane amount of money that this team probably cannot afford unless you dish off. But then you're tying all your money, trying to, if you, even if you get rid of Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero, you're still in the red by an absolute country mile. So uh, do I want to take that sort of you know, plunge? I don't think I do if I'm this team. The Zach Levine deal, that is that is majorly appealing to this team. Like Kay said, and really well, it was really well put. He brings that athleticism. Oh my God, I can barely speak English anymore. Um, and he he's an above average shooter. He's a good enough playmaker. He is quick. The only th- like question that comes with him is the injury concerns. But everyone has them. You can't really bank on that and say and, and, and judge a player based on that. Um, Oladipo has got a player option. He'll probably accept it. He should. <laughs> if I was his agent, I would have I would have already just said yes and moved on. But there's also one player, and I'll finish off with this. This one player has been rumored, you know, to to want to leave his organization. Doesn't feel appreciated enough. Um, I don't know how if that's changed after the most recent run, but a player like Jalen Brown could become available. And there's rumors, and there's there's. All of these, you know, things that have come out with him saying he wants to leave. Now, I like him as a player. I know he definitely comes with some sort of, you know, problems with his ball handling. And, and sometimes you question his his consistency on a night-to-night basis. But is it a massive upgrade over Tyler Hero? Absolutely. And I feel like if he was in this system under Spo, could really take that superstar leap. I really do believe that. I think he's an absolute talent and a half that's being overshadowed by someone that's just a little bit more talented than him and his own team. 
I feel like he's developed well enough under that system and needs to go. But I'll leave it there. Okay, is there anything you want to throw in? Yeah, um, look, the, I, I can't disagree with anything you said, man. Um, I just want to add a couple of things, though. <sighs> and it's going to suck for you guys. And I don't mind it because, like, I understand. And I'm not saying you guys don't, but I just look at things a little differently. Um, as you mentioned, the Miami Heat already been in a pinch money-wise and going to have to figure some things out, which I'm confident they can, which is why I feel like having these conversations are even relevant in the first place when you're talking about the Miami Heat. So you're looking at, like, how are they going to do anything crazy when they – but they always do. Um, but at the same time, that includes making the most out of – the minimum and what that entails is like guys like Mason Plumley. Um, I mean, not is it Mason Plum? I mean, one of the Plumley guys, you know, what I'm talking about the Plumley guy in, in LA. Um, so Plumley, or even looking at a Bryant, um, yeah, you're saying you know, 2.1, whatever, whatever, but these guys are gonna get four million, five million, six, and those add up. The Miami Heat are gonna be looking to pay guys to see what they can get out of guys that are at that one, that vet minimum, that 1.8, that 2.1. And I don't think those guys are in that range realistically because of the reason that you actually want them in the first place. So I'm going to say this to get it out the way. Um, and I know you're going to have something to say, but let me get the rest of it out. You can just add this to the list. Um, don't be surprised if you see Zella back because he's going to be cheap and they really didn't have time to have him in that conditioning program. So they may want to see on a non-guaranteed situation if something's better out there. Of course, once everything gets rolling or balls drop, um, they'll probably try to bring him back for cheap. And the same thing with Kevin Love, not, you know, I hope he tapes a, a team-friendlier deal um, because he uh, wanted to be in Miami. But you want to get him in an off-season of conditioning to get him in the best possible shape at this point in his career too because I think they can pull like 20% more out of what they got out of him. Um, now, when it comes to like trying to swing at one of those big guys, that explains why they're going to have to still try to go the most out of the minimum route when it comes to those other positions. Yeah. I would love to add one of those other guys and I'm sure there'll be attempts and ways to do so. Um, again, we just don't know how that's going to look, especially if the hope is they can go out and add another guy who can be that number three consistently for them as well. So again, it isn't, that's another one of those situations where I wasn't countering anything you said, just adding, my perspective to those things that you said and my opinion of how those things look because as you mentioned the Miami Heat are up against it you know what I mean just from the naked eye but we know that they always finagle and find a way to get some things done we just also have to consider that they're going to have to be thrifty and efficient even when doing that which means filling out the roster so that means you know guys like hey well high smith I expect him to be back because he has value if you give him more time and more development I expect you know what I mean? Them to try to actually get something out of Orlando Robinson and Kane because they show promise if they can continue to do the things that they show um, throughout the course of the time when they were with the big club. So I expect those guys to stick around and for the Miami Heat to continue to try to get, you know, quality production out of them for the cheap that they'll be paying them so that they can go out and make those one, two, or maybe even three other really impactful moves that'll help push this team over the top. Is there anything you want to throw in, George? No, I pretty much agree with everything he's been saying. Um, I, the one thing I don't agree with is is the is the Zeller claim. I still don't think he's up to par with what 
what this team needs. I, even if he is on the cheap, there's still plenty of options out there that are cheaper and better in everything than, than Zeller. I really do believe so. Um, I, I, I'm still taking a Thomas Bryan over him every day of the week. Even if it's another million dollars to get him a year, I don't care. Get him on the team. He's proven to be more resourceful than, than Zeller. I, I just don't think that they're going to be um, bringing him back. I hope not, but we'll see what happens there. Quick, 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 quick. I agree with you, but let me ask you this. What if it's another $4 million for a guy like Zello O'Brien? It's never going to be that. You're never going to look at a $4 million dis- discrepancy between bro, those two I'm, players. Bro, I promise you, what Brian or Plumlee going to get might be $4 million at least more than if, what Zello going to get. If, simply, if, simply if Zello's because, a $987,000 like guarantee, and then you look at Thomas Bryan, if he's asking for $6 million or $5 million, then yeah, I look, I understand. Uh, why you and, and that's what and, that's, and that's exactly what I'm saying. And that's exactly what I'm saying because those are guys that not only you're definitely going to get quality 25 minute backup minutes out of. There'll be stretches where they'll start for you, be very effective. And hell, there might be a situation where they end up taking the job. So that's why they're going to ask for that. And that's why I'm just saying, what if it's that big of a difference? Because it can realistically be that big of a difference just based on need, what they offer. Um, and you know, just the situation of them playing over the last season. So, so that's all I'm saying. There. You look at, if you look at Tyler, if you look at Thomas Bryant's like contract history, it was a two year deal from the Lakers for 2.1 million. Then it was a three year, $25 million deals. So that's an $8.3 million a season, um, contract. Right. Then went to the Lakers and got one year, 1.4 million. Now he hasn't played well enough to, to earn another 25 million, three year deal. He hasn't. And, and I'm, I'm not even saying that in the sense of, um, that's what he's what he's worth. I, I I genuinely don't think that he's played well enough to even demand that on an open market sort of sca- um, uh, scheme. I don't even think that's possible because you just look at them and go, oh, well, there's better options for way cheaper. Might as well go get Gert Seven back if he's going to be if, if between nine million and then a two way deal for Gert Seven. You might as well take Gert Seven back. So I agree with you in that sense. Um, if it's a four 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 million dollar deal more difference. And that four million can come into into play because look, we're we're largely overlooking the fact that now Udonis Haslam's off the roster. Um, we haven't even—I I don't know if you guys have done like an appreciation episode for him yet, but um, you know, big ups to him. He's been an amazing contributor to Heat culture. He's been a servant of Miami for a long time, and now it's time to replace him. We've got to replace him with a new player. Now it's probably just going to be like a two-way deal where it's going to be like Jamara Bouye from the G League on a two-way deal. That's will take up that roster spot or something like that. But you know, I, I it's gonna be or it could be they go balls to the wall and really sign someone and then try and add veterans all around that. Now there's too many moving variables to say for sure what they're gonna do. There's there's always you know, whispers here, whispers there. You know, they're looking for Dane, they're looking for a player like Beal, maybe again, you know, they're looking for these types of players. So until we get to a point where we can kind of round down those options, we won't be able to talk about it in, t- in in depth that much. But in terms of hypotheticals, it's it's you know if, if we're looking at that backup center spot, ideally it'd be a player like like a Yucca Pertle or something like that. But I I don't think it's going to be realistic, especially if he's like if they're going to be asking for those ten to eleven million dollar deals. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, is there anything you want to say or are we ready to move on? 
Oh, nah, man. I mean, like I said, I, me and George agree. I just wanted to add perspective to what he was saying and where I was coming from. And it's just like we both, I think we both see the same thing and that like, you know, it could get crazy. And if it don't, hell, hell, I mean, you know, hell yeah. Bring one of those guys in. Because I could see, you know, just based on the facts that George presented, I could see Thomas Bryant saying, okay, I know Miami can get my value back up. I'm going to go down here and take this bread for one year. I can see that. I can't see that with a guy like Plumlee, though. Um, especially being traded to LA, you know what I mean? Probably thinking, okay, I got one more good bag in me. I don't know if I can even see that with a guy like Pirtle, um, because you know, with the guy coming into Toronto, who's gonna say they um, you know, wanna not necessarily keep him, especially with Fred Van Viet leaving, but then again, it might be more encouraging for them to, you know, let him walk too. I don't know, but I can't see him taking a cheap deal because he still has value, I'm sure, somewhere around the league. Um but yeah, Thomas Bryan is a name that's very interesting. Um, so that's all. Right. So obviously, there's a lot to talk about for the off season. And don't Thomas Bryan play for Denver? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, that man got a ring. That's crazy. No. Uh, uh, he, he's he's gonna get a ring, but he doesn't play for Denver. Ah, uh, well, fair enough. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> man. So does Brandon so... Brandon Goodwin got a ring as well out of this? Brandon Goodwin that's... played for like. Think they're just the minimum amount of games you have to play. Good on them. Happy mm. for them. That's crazy. But <laughs> yeah, man. So much to really talk about, especially for this offseason, bro. There's gonna be so much headed y'all way where the offseason content will be coming out shortly. But with that all being said, though, um, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's episode of Heat vs. the World. Uh, before we wrap it up, this is our final pod for the season, as this is now our third season covering the Heat. So every year, I just like to quickly get this out the way. And that's none other than give a special thanks to all the amazing people we got on our team. So I just had to get a couple of um, my list ready so I know who to mention and stuff so I don't forget anyone. So without further ado, if I could just see this right. All right. So first off, I just want to give a special thanks to our amazing people on our podcast. That's none other than our guy Kev, our guy Kay, and then you got our guy George here along with Orchard, uh, Shy, Lola, um, Miami Clutch. Uh, BL uh, Deem, sorry, y'all. I'm trying really hard right now. Um, but not only do you got guys like Deem, but you also got guys like um our guy Nick, our guy Anthony, Donardo, um Leah. Uh, we got um Will, or as you guys know him as Kid Underscore Clutch Twelve. I had to say that because we got two Wills in here. So shout outs to him and our other Will, Will Livesey. And then also big shout outs to our girl Taylor, um Jkel. Uh, our guy Jay, Angelina Martell, Monster, and Bree. And these are all the people who've either been on a pod or a space. So much love to all of them for everything that they've contributed for Heat vs. the World this year. And also big ups to our guy Kay and Deem. Deem couldn't make it today. But both of these guys have been working extremely hard with Biscayne Breakdown. And I'm beyond grateful for both of you guys. So major shout outs to you. As long with George too. You know, because um, in case y'all didn't know, George was also a host at one point. So shout outs to you as well, George. And then also as I continue to look at this list. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm trying so hard to make this work all right 
also a big shout out to our journalism team. Our main MVP has been our guy, Kay, who's been putting out so many good articles, especially during this playoff run. Big shout outs to you, man. And then also our guy, Kaden and Duran Butler, while also taking a look at our TikTok team as well, who's been putting out some great content for there. Our guy, Orchard, Leah, Erica, Eduardo, um, Will, Kid Clutch again, um, Hero Prodigy. Um, this dude has a wild name, so I'm just going to quickly say it and move on. Um, Hero Sexuals. Um, next up, you got our girl Destiny and Leon. Whoa, whoa, and whoa. last but not least. Hey, yo. <laughs> Listen, let, let me just continue. <laughs> uh, last but not least, a special thanks to um, Destiny and Jules for putting together a lot of the amazing graphics you see on our social media, whether if it is our Instagram or Twitter, they're incredibly talented. And I'm blessed to have them part of this team. And with that all being said, last but not least, I just got to thank you guys. Those who are listening to this, those who follow us on whatever platform we on, what we're doing right now, you know, y'all are constantly gassing us up and it's not easy because in case y'all didn't know, this is our first time doing this as an independent brand. And, you know, obviously, you know, we were able to make some big steps and I'm grateful to God for that. And with that being said, I just hope y'all stick around because we just want to continue growing. And I'm grateful for, like I said, the guys that we got here, along with the many other people behind the scenes who continue to do their thing for Heat versus the World. So, you know, may God bless you all. All glory to God for allowing us to have a really good season. And with that all being said, man, this is still just the beginning. You know, I still want to cover one season of the Heat where we're able to win a championship. And if we can get our will, we'll most likely hit that. So hopefully let's just make the right moves and go from there. But aside from that, that's basically it. So major shout outs to each and every one of y'all who did y'all thing for Heat vs. The World. Kay, um, George, it's been a pleasure working with you guys. Can't wait to see what next season holds. And for all those listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on all platforms at HBTW Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at He vs. The World. And also, last but not least, check out our website at HBTWPodcast.wordpress.com. The season didn't go the way how we wanted it to with the ending, but it is what it is. I'm beyond proud of this team. I know y'all are too. Miami Heat, Heat Nation for life, we here. And you know what? We're going to have a good time with this squad through the bads, through the, the y'all know what I'm saying, through the highs, through the lows, whatever, man. I'm tired as hell. But with that being said, I'm ready to enjoy somewhat vacation until we start potting in the off season. So with that being said, thank y'all so much for an amazing season of heat basketball coverage. And with that being said, hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.